0: today I'm going to start a series uh, called Striving Together on how we as a local church ought to interact with one another as we go forward in the Lord's ministry. And so uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 is where we'll be as we uh, start this in in Sunday school. Look at verse number 3. It says, uh, For are ye yet carnal? Now, he's writing to a church, a local church here, the Corinthian church. And uh, by the way, they're the ones, especially 1 Corinthians, that has the reputation of carnality. What's interesting is if we were to jump back to chapter 1, I'm not going to return there, but, but he talks about how 1 um, uh, Corinthians 1 verse 7 says, uh, talks about how they come behind in no gift. Uh, they, they, he talks about this church was incredibly gifted. They, they, they didn't come in second place next to any church when it came to their giftedness. And, but in some ways, that giftedness actually became a downfall, and that was part of the issue in First Corinthians 12, and and they're they're kind of having issues with spiritual gifts. But uh, but though they were very gifted over here in chapter one, by the time he gets to chapter three, he says, "You guys are yet carnal." Interesting analysis. So so the difference between being gifted and spiritual, apparently. And I think that's something we ought to learn today because uh, you, you ever you ever see. Um, We've all heard stories, I think, of preachers maybe falling into sin or, or what have you. Thought, oh, he just seemed like such a spiritual man, you know? No, he was a great orator, right? But his, but spiritually bankrupt, which which caused him to go that direction, right? He had a lot of gifts, and people could listen to him. But, you know, a lot of times he never saw it coming. Why? Because he was relying on his gift, not relying on his God. And that's why, you know, that's why uh, the Bible says that God has chosen the weak things, the foolish things. Why? So we can rely and depend on God. You see, keeps us humble. But, uh, but here he's addressing the church. He says, you are, are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Paulus, and yet, uh, are, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? And so, so some are saying, maybe I'm more spiritual because I got saved under Paul's ministry. And others like, oh yeah, I got saved under Apollos' ministry, who was a very eloquent preacher in the Church of Corinth here. And uh, we learn of him in the book of Acts. Uh, uh, he was a, you know He's one that really could draw a crowd. He's one that uh, people would listen to. And so there was this pride, and uh, oh yeah, well well, the one who led me to Christ was one of the apostles. You know? Well, the one who led me to Christ was just a preacher. And, uh, and there's this back and forth going on. And he said, guys, this is carnal, this, this weird kind of competition that's going on. We're in First Corinthians 3, um, <clears throat> verse number 6. He says, I, this is Paul writing, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. You know what he's saying there? Paul's nothing. Apollos is nothing. He said neither is he anything. It's just another tense for, you know, he's nothing is what he's saying. Because we're ministers of Christ. And so, he goes on, um, verse number 8. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he build thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is uh, uh, is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble... Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. So we're going to kind of look at this, and what I believe Paul is emphasizing here in this text uh, on the... The unity, really, that is to take place as we consider the work that is to be done. Uh, as we serve Christ, we are laborers together with God. You know, and this, uh, every time I read that, I, I think of the end of that story of the, of the fly sitting on the elephant's nose, right? And they cross that bridge, and they get to the other side, and that fly looks to the elephant and says, Boy, we sure shook that bridge, didn't we? Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and really, we're riding on God's shoulders if we're trusting in Him. We're abiding in Him, and we're doing the work with God, but really, He carries us. When we're trusting in Him, now we can do it in our flesh. But I want to say this: I don't want any part of that ministry. Um, there are a lot of good ministries out there that are just in the flesh. They're just uh, there's a lot of activities, a lot going on. Someone's trying to call me. Not now. <laughs> um, so, so while we have word prayer, we'll uh, we'll get into this. Lord, we do thank you for for our time together this morning and. As we go into this, uh, this series, as we look at several aspects that we, uh, we really are to labor together in your purpose for a local church, I think we, we're really reminded of that in these days where there's been uh, limited fellowship, there's been limited uh, uh, church activity through this uh, season of this virus. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to really zero in on the importance of us as a church family, ministering together, waiting one for another. And uh, and as we do that, we are serving you. So help us now as we kind of look at some of these foundational truths of uh, serving church. And I pray that uh, you know, you'd be glorified and we'd be blessed in Jesus' name, Amen. As we talk about this, uh, the series comes from uh, Philippians uh, one twenty seven, where Paul says to the church at Philippi, he says, "Let your conversation, your lifestyle, your manner of living, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs." That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the gospel. Um, Would you agree with this statement that God does not like a divided church? I think that's a fair assessment, right? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. God wants unity. In fact, we're to be unified around the spirit. We see that emphasized over and over again in the scriptures, even in the context of spiritual gifts. There's a diversity of offices, diversity of gifts, yet one spirit. And, uh, and uh, if we're all saved and if we are all uh, have the Bible there as our authority, there should be this unity as we go forward in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, every ministry, of course, is going to have a slightly different personality, uh, even different emphasis, but, uh, but again, the same spirit. Okay? As we uh, follow it out, what does God want for us as we are here? All right, and these are some, some questions I think we ought to ask along the way. As and and then even dynamics will change, right? Uh, suppose we get uh, individuals a part of our church that re, that that could benefit from a very specific type of ministry, right? Uh, uh, we, we, may, we may adjust as there are the, those needs arise. Say we have several families that maybe have special needs student, uh, uh, young people, and, and it might prompt a special needs ministry. I don't know. Uh, I'm just kind of throwing things out there because, because we have to look at it and realize God adds to the body, God adds to the church, and what are those needs at that time. Okay? If we had all old people and there were no young people, uh, it doesn't really make sense to have a kids ministry right i don't think that's a sign of a healthy church okay <laughs> but i'm just like you know again throwing out one extreme uh, there but but what i'm saying is there may be there may be various needs that arise at different periods of time and we have to be willing to say god what do you want or are we going to say well we've just never done that before so we're not going to start now i think we ought to be flexible and say god what do you want us to do you see as god brings opportunities uh, by the way just because it's an opportunity does not equal to an obligation all right, there are, there's an endless opportunity Boy, we can brainstorm right now and just come up with all kinds of things that we aren't doing right now that we could do. Um, and we'd probably kill the church, okay? <laughs> we'd stretch ourselves so thin and we'd get ourselves in trouble. But, um, but we ought to consider some of the things. Paul is addressing this church, and the church was split over several issues. In another place, they were fighting over who baptized who. And to the point where Paul said, you know what, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you, except for this guy and this guy. You know, and and, uh, by the way, that's a good argument why baptism is not required for salvation. Otherwise, Paul would be very glad if he baptized people. He wouldn't be saying, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. That would be equivalent of saying, I didn't lead any of you to Christ. (laughs) Okay. Um, But uh, but no, uh, he, he, you know, the gospel was his focus and uh, uh, they were getting all divided on all these carnal issues. And uh, so we're going to look at, uh, first of all, this mistake of competitiveness. There was, there was definitely a spirit of competitiveness in this church. You know, well, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. And he addresses this as, are you guys not carnal? That's like what the old man does. That's like what it, what, uh, what, what, how I was before I was a believer. You know, the Bible likens the local church in many places to a family. Uh, Ephesians 2.19, Now therefore you are no more strangers or foreigners, uh, and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. You know, uh, with this, uh, we we're, we're having some discussions talking about, okay, uh, the governor is concerned about, uh, you know, our state's now in the red with this COVID thing. And what are we going to do? And, you know, let's take this verse. Hey, we're all the same household, okay? Right? Because it's about households. <laughs> and really, there, there is an element of that, that that I really don't associate on a regular basis and definitely not on a close basis with people really outside the church. I'll see people as I go to the store or that kind of stuff, but I don't get all close. And, and uh, you know, like yesterday morning we had our men's breakfast. And, uh, you know, what was that? These are my brothers that were just eating breakfast together, right? Um, but there's an element that this is our family. This is our, we're part of that household of God. Uh, 1, uh, 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, and the younger sisters uh, uh, or, uh, the younger as sisters, excuse me, with all purity, and uh, here he's, he's relaying it like a family. And uh, uh, by the way, a lot of churches will say I, uh, that's my church family, right uh, I think it's very important to emphasize this fact that we are indeed a family and and if there are things getting in the way of that, if there are things that are hindering that, that kind of a family environment, I think we ought to address those things. Because uh, because for many, it's just a formality. We come together and we may say we may call each other brother, but, uh, but it's not a family. It's not, you know, you kind of see each other that one day or the three times a week or whatever, however often you show up, but it's not a family. Uh, I, I like the fact that I hear about, you know, uh, two or three families over here take a cruise together, <laughs> okay? Or uh, you know these guys are going camping together, or these you know, and this is just kind of what we do as a family. Then of course we have our big church family camp. We're actually talking about maybe even adding a winter camp. You know, we're just kind of throwing some ideas around. oh uh, uh, why? So we as a family can interact as a family. What happens, by the way, What happens as a family if uh, you never spend time together? You grow apart, right? Uh, even even the lost world will say it's very healthy to at least have one meal together a day as a family, because a lot of families don't do that anymore, and you, you don't see your children. Right? and uh, And I'd say in this day and age, when you've got uh, the humanistic school system and all that to educate your children for thirty hours a week, or whatever whatever it is, and then you get five minutes of FaceTime with your children a day, uh, there's there's an imbalance, and, uh, and it can be very dangerous. But similarly, as a church family got to be cultivating, developing those relationships. Uh, very important. And so, uh, so he characterizes some things. Uh, uh, their behavior. First of all, he says, "For you are not carnal." Verse three, uh you ye are yet carnal. For whereas there's among you envying, strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? First, he lays out. He says, <clears throat> "You guys are envying." That's how they felt. This was their feelings. This, this uh, uh, is, 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 instead of a uh, heart of gratitude, there's this heart of envy. Competition, if you would. Um, those, uh, these believers, they envied others uh, that, that maybe have been received into the church or what have you. And later we're going to find out in 1 Corinthians 12 that they were fighting about spiritual gifts and all kinds of just areas. What is it? There's a heart of envy. All right? And, uh, and boy, we need to put that aside because we're not in competition. And it's very easy to come in, and especially because certain offices, uh, by nature, are, some are more public than others. Some will get more praise than others, by the way. Be very careful. I, I'm, just, I'm just convinced that the more we're praised of men, the less we're going to be praised of God. Um, there's some scripture I can go to with that, but that's just, that's just you know, I'd rather, I'd rather not be seen of men and get all the praise from God. On that day, I'd rather rather God say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, it's not what what Jesus said of the Pharisees. He says they stand out there with their with their big, loud uh, prayers and and uh, they, they make it look like they've been fasting and and all this stuff. And here's what Jesus said. They have their reward. What was their reward? To be seen of men. That was their reward. He says, but you, when you do these things, just go into your closet and the father, your father, which see the secret shall reward thee openly. I'd rather get that reward than the reward from being seen of men. You see, but but envying comes in nonetheless, you know, and and uh, um, uh, it's something that, that I think even the most spiritual among us need to fight against. Uh, he mentions strife. This is not only how they felt, but what they said, they, their hearts, uh, what was in their heart was coming out. Uh, uh, Jesus said in uh, uh, Matthew twelve thirty four, uh, "O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, Jesus really hit the nail on the head there. He says, you guys are revealing what's really in there. You guys are evil. You guys are evil. Why? Because that's what's coming out. You see? Um, This group there were characterized really by arguing, complaining. Uh, There was conflicts going on. In Numbers 11, verse 1, very telling verse, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. There were divisions. He says, "There's envying. There's uh, uh, there's strife. There's divisions." This is how they acted. The the Corinthian Christians began drawing lines. They were choosing sides, and and uh, and and um, uh, this really rooted in pride, contention. You know, drawing. You know, we're we're, we're talking. I'm not gonna move on. We draw these lines. We divide in all kinds of different ways, and and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, by the way, people even do that within uh, within theological groups, right? Uh, well, we're not going to go near them because they believe such and such. And, and I think there's room for those kinds of lines. But then there are others that are like, really? Over that? <laughs> really? Um, I'm not going to associate with them because they associate with this person, associate with this person, associate with that person. And I would never associate with that person. Okay, we're just getting kind of weird now, okay? Um, but we get this way. Proverbs thirteen ten. Only by pride. Only by get this now. Only by pride cometh contention. It doesn't say pride is one of the causes of contention. It says only by pride contention comes. Every fight, everything you deal with, whether your children, in marriage, in the church, mark it down. There is pride in there somewhere. Only by pride cometh contention. And uh, and and but with the well-advised his wisdom, First Peter five uh, five, the last part. But God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And uh, and I tell you what, God's church, we, we, we really could use some humility. You know, just across the board, we could really use some humility. We we, we get very puffed up, and uh, and forget the fact that we are ministers of God. Well, really, what Paul's addressing? We're collaborators together with God. He that planteth is nothing; he that watereth is nothing. It's God that gives the increase. It's God that's going to do what He wants to do as we serve Him. But this behavior was not the will of God, and and uh, and so Paul's addressing it head on. In Jesus' intercessory prayer, Jesus uh, kind of seemed to indicate that that uh, the world's response to Him would hinge on oneness of believers. In uh, John seventeen twenty one. Uh, Jesus praying to the Father, he said, That they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me, uh, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, and the world may believe that thou hast sent me. It's interesting, he says, okay, him and the Father, they are one, and he says he wants his disciples, his followers, all to be one. For what purpose? That the world would believe that God sent Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Uh, There's something about that. So when a lost person looks at believers and says, these guys can't even get along. And by the way, I think the devil's done a very clever thing. Um, When you look and you see how many different flavors and denominations and Bible translations, all this kind of stuff, it's like Christianity can't agree on anything. Yeah, the devil's good. Right? Now, we still stand on truth. We're not going to unify just for the sake of unity. But the devil's deceived many into all these different kinds of different directions. And we need to be careful that we ourselves aren't deceived. That we're rooting things in truth. That we're following the scriptures. And that and, uh, and we, uh, we have a standard. <clears throat> we see uh, uh, not only the, the way they were acting, but, uh, but Paul kind of makes some, some conclusions based on their behavior. The first conclusion he makes is, you guys are a bunch of babies. You're acting childish. Verse 4, for one saith, I'm a Paul, and another, I'm a Paulist. Are you not carnal? And we are jump back to verse number one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither are ye, uh, are uh, yet now are ye able. Well, this is some tough words to receive. You think about this as a student of Paul, if you would, or as someone who who maybe got saved under his ministry. He started this church. He leaves. And now he's hearing all this stuff going on, so he writes them a letter and he says, Guys, I would love to just give you some some deeper truths. I'd love to give you some meat, but you guys are still a bunch of bickering, crying, whining, babies, and all I can do is give you more milk. I mean, I would just feel like I always that just feel like the biggest like like oh, I let him down. My spiritual father. his analysis of me is I'm a baby. And, uh, you know, let's just let's not mince words. This is, this is what he's saying to them. I couldn't speak spiritual things to you guys because you're babies. You would choke on it. You can't handle it. In other words, what is he saying to this church? It's time to grow up. So he's, gonna, he's addressing some very root issues, which is keeping them from growing up. Uh, but they've been acting like babies, and they've been dividing over all these things. And, uh, you know, we expect babies, by the way, to be self-centered, Right? You give two babies one toy and watch what happens. We expect them to be uh, uh, temperamental and demanding and defenseless and capable of caring for themselves, unaware of what's best for them, but we don't expect them to stay that way. When they stay that way, there's a problem. Okay, Only child syndrome. Are they an old child, only children here? Yeah, I think we're okay. <laughs> uh, I'm joking, but, 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 uh, but you know, if, if they don't grow out of that, sometimes that you might, it might be an indication there's maybe a mental problem. There's something that's wrong. There's something going on. I remember my mom, uh, in, in, uh, when I was in middle school, she worked at the same school that I was at. That's always fun. And, uh, but she was an aide for a guy that was extremely autistic, and he 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 was a 220 240 pound baby, I mean literally. I mean he wore a diaper and everything, uh, but but he 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 threw fits. Well, why? Because there was there was some kind of a mental disconnect. He was extremely autistic, and he would throw these fits, and it it my mom would be bruised sometimes because of the fits he'd throw, and she has tried to contain him. And uh, uh, well, you look at that, you say something's not right here. But uh, but you know we'll deal with it because it's something that's beyond his control or whatever. But let me just say this: it's not normal in the Christian life for someone to be say saved for thirty years, fifty years, and then still be a baby. They've not grown in their spiritual walk. They've not grown in their understanding. They've not grown. They're still carnal and they're still babies. You know there is a time, there's a season for being a baby. But if if not, are we spiritually autistic? Do we spiritually have mental disabilities? And if we're not careful, I think, I think we can look at this and say, we're not challenging ourselves. We're not growing beyond that. And by the way, growth is not just cramming more knowledge in my head. In fact, in Hebrews, it lays it out. and the, uh, the, the, the believing Jews there that Hebrews was addressed to. He's uh, uh, the writer, who I believe was Paul, basically was saying to them, guys, by now you should be teaching others. But you have need that someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And he says, for strong meat belongs to them who, by reason of use, have had their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You see, they had to you have to take that meat and start the, the milk and start using it. That then shows us, okay, you're ready now for some meat. You see, what does a baby do? When the baby takes in the milk, and it's supposed to strengthen them. It gives them the energy to keep going on. If you never feed a baby, what happens to the baby? Well, they'll die. But, but let's just say they're malnourished. What happens to a malnourished baby? They're not going to grow. They're going to be sickly. They're going to be weak. Their muscles will not develop. Why? Because there was no use. You see, And so as you take in, you take in what you have, and you must take in those nutrients at that level and begin using them. So we take a brand new Christian, and we're going to show them, hey, here's some of the basics. Why don't we start with this? Let's start doing this. Let's start, you know. And uh, and we want to be careful, because we don't want them to choke. But we also don't want them to just be coddled and, you know, you can just stay there. You can just stay there. That's fine. Just, you know. No, he, it comes a time for fellowship and to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that making sense? We don't want to stay carnal. That's the key. And so he's saying, you guys are like babies. I can't give you the other stuff. Then uh, Paul concludes that, that, that this behavior was carnal. That means fleshly. Uh, you, ever, you ever have a carne asada? I love some carne asada. I haven't had any good carne asada since I left California. But uh, what, is, what is carne asada? Car, 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 carnal. It means meat. That's really what it means. It means meat. And, uh, and what, what is that? Fleshly. That's, that's us in our natural state how, that we behave. And, and so he's looking at them and saying, guys, this is like the old man. I come into your church and you look just like the world. I come into your church and you're, you're, you're acting and behaving just like before you came to Christ. Are you not carnal? You're not, there's no change? Is Christ not making a difference in your life? I mean, let's face it. These are some hard words Paul's addressing. And by the way, we're only in chapter 3. <laughs> okay? And he's laying it out. I love chapter 11 where it ends with, the rest I'll set in order when I come. You're not done yet? <laughs> Look at all these chapters of correction. and uh, Which is why I think it's funny when a church names themselves the Corinthian church. Or, uh, you know, <laughs> um, Out of all the churches in the New Testament, uh, I'd, I'd want to be associated with one of the others, I think. But... Uh, But he's addressing these issues. Ephesians 4.24 that you put on the new man which is after God after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on the new man. The old man, that carnal is the opposite. Put on the new man. What does it lead to? It's created in righteousness and true holiness. Be holy as I am holy saith the Lord, right? Uh, Colossians 3.10 And I've put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. Now by the way, I want to say this. See, not all, all knowledge is bad. Now, yes, knowledge puffes up, but, but you need to have some knowledge as a starting place to be renewed by. Okay? If you get saved, and you're saying, uh, you say Chris is a brand new Christian here, which we, we've been praying for that, and, uh, and he, says, uh, he says, Pastor, I want to grow. Can you show me? Can you have a Bible study with me? Can you show me? I want to grow. And, uh, and I look at him and say, no, you've got enough to work on. You don't, we don't need that Bible study yet. Well, how does he know what to work on? You need some knowledge, right? You need something there to start with. But we also need to be careful that I'm not throwing meat at him. All right, we're going to go, we're going to start in uh, prophecy. We're going to start dissecting Daniel and Revelation. We're going to see how all that fits together. And, And you're like, um, do you think I should get baptized? <laughs> you know, it's like, we're not quite there yet, but, uh, so we, we want to go in order. We want to kind of do the first things. And so, so we might start with Christian living and say, well, what, what's, what's expected of us as believers? You know, here's one, start making it a habit to come to church and hear the preaching of the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and we start with some of those basics, but, but there needs to be some knowledge to base it off of. Does that, does that make sense? Are we all right? And, um, uh, great verse there, but it's renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. In Romans 7 and 8, Paul describes uh, three kinds of men. He talks about the spiritual man. Uh, it, it's a Christian man who lives really in the fullness of the Holy Spirit uh, with his presence, cooperating with his will. There's the natural man, that's the unsaved man. He attempts to satisfy uh, satisfying God in the power of the flesh. And it's really, uh, it's going to come short. And then there's the carnal man. He's saved, but he's kind of reverted to that old natural way of living. He's carnal. He's, uh, he's, he's living in that, that area. Romans 8, 7, But the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So Paul's conclusion is that uh, the competitiveness is carnal. And next, Paul begins to really paint a picture of how ministry should work and how it looks like. And so he starts talking about the cooperation that should take place. Verse number five. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Um, the, the heart of this chapter, Paul kind of shows two principles concerning cooperation. The first was, was horizontal among men. How do we work together? And the other one is, is a vertical cooperation. We are co-laborers together with God, you see. But uh, but there was a, a division, really, of responsibility. And no doubt Paul and Apollos were two different men with different personalities, different backgrounds, different strengths and weaknesses. Paul's background involved uh, the exclusive pharisaical-type training as a rabbi. Uh, yet he revealed revelation from God as God gave him uh, uh, understanding stuff, you know. In Galatians, he talks about how he didn't confer with the other apostles, but he was taught by revelation of God from God. Uh, very interesting. But, uh, but different different backgrounds and different areas that they're coming from. And both Paul and Apollos had uh, had won people to Christ in this church of Corinth, uh, who are now part of this church in Corinth. And as human nature is, uh, they began to be in competition with each other. Now, this competition, by the way, was not between Paul and Apollos, but the followers of Paul and the followers of Apollos went into competition with each other. Um, oh yeah, well, I'm more spiritual because of this. Uh, you know, I'm more we 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 get into these categories. But since there's so many functions to fulfill in the local church, let me just say, we need members of varying gifts. We need people of uh, different personalities even. And by the way, that one person that just never seems to fit in, guess what? They may not be there for them. They might be there for you. To temper us, right? To, because I need to grow in patience. <laughs> I need to grow in my long suffering. And, uh, and sometimes some people will be there and they'll never change. But maybe I've got them there for you. Just uh, some things to think about. Romans 12 is a great list of, uh, of all the, the spiritual gifts, but it says in verse number 4, For we, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, even every one members of one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Paul has this example of himself, and Apollos pointing out a couple of things. First of all, the role, our role, is that of a servant. By the way, every one of us need to have that perspective. I'm a servant. Um, some of you have done a wonderful job of just kind of rolling with things. Sometimes uh, I might spring something up on you last minute. I've had to. I've called Jason a couple times. Uh, uh, you know, waking up with a migraine in the morning. I just there's no way I'm going to make it. and... And, uh, hey, just bring this on you, but you're preaching in three hours, okay? Um, you know, and I, I so appreciate uh, him stepping up, or I've had to, you know, hey, Chris, I need you to lead singing, you know, and and, uh, and Chris is doing a great job. He's just learned how to lead this, this year, and he's been uh, stepping in and helping out, and I, I think it's helped our services, right? But uh, but but putting things on you. Now, 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 Jason could get the attitude. Maybe he does have this attitude, but he's hidden it. Uh, where he says, uh, you know, who does he think he is? Just, you know, like I'm, like, you know, I've got, a, I've got this full-time job, and I've got kids to raise, and an audition, uh, ad, audition, an addition to my house, and and uh, and he just wants to spring this on me so he can sleep in. Well, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, it, it's 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 it was implied in the text that I got, and and, and all of a sudden. Though he may fill that spot, he's not a servant. There's no heart there of a servant. There's no mindset of, well, I have an opportunity now to serve Christ. You see? And uh, and, and we need to be so careful because those will creep in. It, it creeps into the most spiritual of us. Um and, you know, and we we can kind of lay out several different examples or things. You might say, I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> There's something, okay? I don't have time to go down all the list of things we can do, but but uh, but there is something where all of a sudden I'm I'm missing it, right? These kids in CIA are just driving me crazy. There's got to be someone else to come in here and fill this. You've missed it. You have missed that opportunity to be a servant. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really what he's laying out. He that waters is nothing. Neither is he anything. Or he that planteth is, is really nothing. It's not about Paul and it's not about Apollos. It's about God getting the increase. We are co-laborers together with him and, and we are his servants. Matthew twenty twenty eight. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So he lays out that we are servants. He lays out that our relationships are connected. Uh, Verse 8 says this, Now he that planteth and he that watereth, get this now, are one. What are they one at? The same task. Hey, for there to be a crop and you divided up the tasks, if one person plants seeds for that crop and a different person comes along and waters for that crop, the reality is they're both one for that crop. It's the same job. It's the same end result that we're looking for. And though and we as a church may be many, there, there are different uh, avenues to work, the different aspects. But here's, here's what we as a church are. We together, collectively, really, we're serving the Lord. We're serving the Lord. We're, we're desiring for, for Him to get the increase. We're desiring for there to be fruit. There, we're desiring for there to be a crop, so to speak. And so, so what do we do? We say, uh, wh- where, where's there a hole? Where, where can I fill in? I want to make sure that none of the field is missed, whether it be watering, whether it be seeding. You see? And by the way, when it's left to just two or three people, this is going to be, when the harvest comes, you're going to see huge spots in that field that were missed. Huge neglected areas. Whether it be seen by a family that came and fell through the cracks, they never got ministered to, or whether it be, you know, whatever it is, we, we may not even know what potential that God had for us that was missed because, because we never filled in the cracks. Um, we're working together. Our relationships are connected. Our, but the rewards, this is interesting, our individual, verse 8. So he says that there are one... And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So, though we're all together for one common end, you can't ride on each other's coattails. Kids, don't play around on each other's coattails. Uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're just not saying, yeah, look what, you know, <laughs> uh, look what we've accomplished. Really? Where were you that day? You know? We have a, have a big work day, right? Things get all cleaned up, painted walls, all kinds of stuff happen. And, and we show up that Sunday. Wow, the place is great. Yeah, we had a wonderful work day. So you look at the person, we, where were you? I was there, where were you? So at the end of the day, everyone's going to receive their own reward, even though we're working together for a common purpose. Uh, that accountability is still there, and the importance of that is still there. <clears throat> Hebrews 6.10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work, your labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Not only is there uh, uh, um, responsibilities that are given, but uh, but notice this, uh, verse number 9. Here's our dependency. Our reliance must be on God. Verse number 9, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, Ye are God's building. He gives a couple of uh, of analogies here or uh, comparisons. Verse number 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another built it thereon, but let every man take heed how we build thereupon. And so he says this. As the master builder, Paul being one of the apostles, the church is, of course, built on the apostles and the prophets, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. He lays a foundation. He's using a, a physical uh, illustration about this spiritual thing. He's saying to this church, you're a spiritual building. But what are you built upon? And every part's gonna have, everyone's going to have somewhat of a part. So he says, here's the foundation. As the master builder, I've laid a blueprint for you guys. And I've put in the foundation. So others are coming along under, uh, and, and, uh, under this guidance that Paul has given. And what are we starting to do? We're starting to put bricks in place. And as a spiritual building, we're starting to build that up. And, and he says, I want you to be very careful now how you build this thing. Take heed. Be very careful how you're going to build this. And what's he talking about? He's talking about our service. He's talking about what we're doing for the Lord. And, uh, and verse 13, we'll get to in just a minute. But he says, uh, everyone's works can be made manifest. And hey, we had a good, strong building. except this spot over here. Who did that spot? It's going to be manifest. Chris? Is that your wall? Oh, what happened that day, man? Well, I thought it wasn't as important because everything else was going so well. You dropped the ball. I love I loved the book of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah and the record time building program that they had. The only, reason, the only way that it happened, it worked as well as it did, is everybody did their part. Oh, is, is, that, is that your corner where your house is in that wall? You take care of that spot. Oh, and your house is over here. You take care of that spot. And everyone kind of did their own spot as this wall came together. And uh, and, and what happened? Man, they, they knocked it out. If some of them dropped the ball along the way, they, they, they would have what's called a breach in the wall. It was unfinished. And the enemy can come in right there. Because one person decided, you know what, I need to catch up on my beauty sleep. Or I've got too much going on. i got to... Pay some bills. I got to, whatever the case may be. And so now there's this breach in the wall because he didn't do his part. So there's, a, there's a, first of all, a reliance on God. I'm getting ahead of myself here. God is our companion in work. We are co laborers together with Him. Matthew twenty eight uh, twenty. 20, he says, Lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. What a wonderful promise, by the way. Lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. God, by the way, is the owner of the work. Let us never forget, he purchased the church with his own blood. He's the founder of the church. He's that chief cornerstone of the church. He is the head of the church. It's his church. It's his work. And in verse number 9, it says that, For you co together with God, you are God's husbandry. Anybody know what a husbandry is? Vineyard, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the husband, the husbandman, is the keeper of the vineyard, of the husbandry. Said, but ye, plural, are God's. That's his field, where the fruit's going to come. Ye are also His building, His spiritual building. That means we belong to Him. We're not, our, we're not our own. And, and and you know, this is all to be done in that light. Uh, then further, God has enabled us for work. Paul describes himself as the wise master builder. In verse 10, he, he uh, was careful at this point. He says, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, just as neither the sower or no, him that waters can initiate the, the germination or the, or the product of life, but, but they both depend on God for, for, for their, their function, for them to come to fruition. And so it is in ministry. Hey, you can do it all. You can do all this stuff. You know, I remember there were times as a church planner uh, where in one week's time, you know, we, we, we hit 10,000 doors just trying to get people to come. And we're knocking on doors and seeing whoever we can just talk to and engage with the gospel. And we're leaving invitations and doors that, that no one's home. And, uh, and we're just, you know, boy, I, I went through like three pairs of shoes one summer and uh, just doing everything possible. And I remember uh, I remember that one particular week we just had a, we had a week, we got so many gospel tracks out and and uh, had a wonderful time, and I was like, man're we're going we to have a huge influx this Sunday. We didn't even have the normal people show up that Sunday. It was like dead. It's like, what happened? God's got to do the, give the increase. I was available, I did my part, and Lord, what are you going to do with it? By the way, that's why we ought to not be. Uh, results driven, we'll burn ourselves out. We will, we'll destroy ourselves. You know He will come to me and say, pastor, have you noticed how attendance is down? Thank you. Yes, I have by the way. But then I turn to, but then I turn to that person, but have you noticed who's missing? And what have you done? I'm just saying. But, uh, but 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 really, it's God that gives increase. It's God that adds to the church. Now now we ought to do our part. I shouldn't be driving people off, right? I hope I'm not. Um, but but the but the reality is, we we serve Him, and He's going to give the increase. He's going to bless as He desires. And and I'm trying not to. I'm trying. I'm, I'm not trying to sound Calvinistic or anything. But but that's the reality. You know, it's not a formula. If you do this and this. This will happen. That's how some people kind of teach this stuff, though. And uh, because maybe it worked for them where they're at. By the way, every place is different. Um, I'm going to move on with that. We need to be careful, by the way, how we even assess missionaries. There are going to be some people that will labor their whole life somewhere. And, uh, and, you know, they've got a work going of maybe 10, 15 people. Meanwhile, there are others. I think of uh, Kevin Wynn down in Mexico City. Got a church of two thousand people, and they've started over two hundred churches out of that church. And uh, his goal is four hundred uh, by the time he's done with his ministry. He wants to start four hundred churches in Mexico. And uh, you go to look at that, like, man, that's that's insane. Well, he's in a city of ten million people, starters. It's going to be a little bit different than like Danielle's dad in a, a small village somewhere in uh, in Alaska. But um, there's some some things to think about. But God is the one that enables us for work. He says, according to the grace that is given to me. What is that grace? That's God's enabling power. Uh, John fifteen five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. And then we see the materials for construction of ministry. Verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay uh, than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And uh, and we see this this formula. There's no other. This must be a right foundation. Each of our lives can hold a, a banner saying "under construction." Hey, he's building me. He's uh, There's a kid song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Right? We're under construction. We are working with God on this thing. Uh, but verse number ten again. Take heed how you build thereupon. We need to consider this. What kind of What, what are we building? This ministry. What are we building? Our lives. Excuse me. Another kid song, by the way, some great theology in these kid's songs, uh, from, the, from the, the story Jesus gives about the wise man and the foolish man and how they build their house on the rock or the sand, right? And, uh, and, and we need to be so careful, by the way, what we're building our ministry upon. Some have been built upon entertainment. Some have been built upon food. Some of them built upon, you know, all kinds of stuff, uh, you know. Uh, and by, by the way, there's nothing wrong with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with food. There's nothing wrong with all these things. But when it's built upon these things other than Christ, you know, I love what Paul says when he, when he came to this very church. He says, when I came to you, I came knowing nothing. Now, it didn't mean he didn't know anything. He says uh, that, 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 that he came to them really in simplicity. He says, I came knowing nothing, save Christ. I just simply preached Christ and Him crucified. I didn't come with, with um, well, how is he worded it? Um, uh, basically, I'll paraphrase, but with eloquent speech and all this of man's wisdom. But, but he says, I came just preaching Christ. Because that's the foundation, and that's what must be built upon. And, uh, and we, we, just, we need to be so careful with that. You, know? you start bringing people because you, you're, you're cultivating maybe an experience-driven type ministry. You need to keep an experience alive. Uh, you need to keep entertainment going. You need to keep food going. You need, whatever it is that you're trying to draw with, you need to be careful because, because that's, that, that, that's, that's becoming the foundation. This is becoming the framework that we're building upon. Well, it's just not lively like it used to be. Well, show me that. By the way, churches that claim to be not built upon entertainment sometimes have their own type of entertainment. And it might be in the way they preach. Might be in that kind of stuff. I was i uh, I'm getting more and more bothered by this uh, showmanship type of preaching. Now I get excited when I preach, I do, and uh, I hope I hope it doesn't come across as any kind of showy. But uh, when you actually analyze what's being said by some of these guys, it's like you didn't say anything. You got all excited and got people worked up and everyone's shouting and hollering and all this, but you didn't actually say anything. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, when you've analyzed what was said, there was. It was theologically bankrupt. There was nothing there to to really grab a hold of. But you walk away and say, man, I'm motivated. Yeah, you went to a motivational talk is what you did. Are we growing? Are we learning something? What's the foundation? What what is it that we're developing? Are we building upon truth? Are we building upon the word of God? So we see the, uh, the type of material, right? Verse number 12. Now, if any man build upon the foundation, gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. Here's our options for material, right? And, uh, and, and it's very important to look at things. What's going to last? He's given an illustration of what is going to last, okay? This is maybe the old, old version of the three little pigs right? The stick's going to fall down, right? The wood's going to fall down, but it's that brick, right? And uh, what's he saying here? There's a more precious, there's a more valuable, there's a more eternal type of uh, building material that we can put into this thing that is going to last. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. There are the temporal materials. These are the things that the world might esteem, uh, to be well, to be good, and everything. But let me just say, they will not hold up to the fire, and that's going to be the test. I love this. In, uh, in you know, the, the the world may esteem certain things. Like, look, look at this. This is wonderful. What we've accomplished, what we've done. I heard about this Chinese uh, pastor that that came and visited America, and he and he went to uh, some some leadership conferences, and and when he came back, he was asked, you know, what so impressed you about the churches in America? And here's what his analysis was. He says, he says, it is amazing what they can build without God. I don't know how much validity there was to what he had said or what he saw, but that was from his perspective, what he experienced. Look at these guys, they're so proud in this. Uh, But uh, I love what it says in Mark 13, verse number 1. It says, and he went out of the temple. Jesus was with his disciples there. One of his disciples say to him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here? Now, I think they forgot for a second who was with them. You're telling the one that hung the stars in the sky, the one who spoke the worlds into existence, isn't that all these amazing buildings right here? See this temple that we just walked out of? Isn't that impressive? Look what Jesus' response to him was. Or just listen. He says, And Jesus answering, saith unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be one stone upon, uh, left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. You think that's impressive. Watch how hard it falls. That's temporal, right? That's, that's the, those kind of things. So, so the challenge is make sure it's eternal things. Make sure it's things that last. You know, as we consider, what are we laying out? What kind of a legacy? Do you, you realize that your children, your family, your, your legacy that you leave behind is really the only thing that's going to outlive you, humanly speaking? Do you think about that? What difference am I making in this world that's going to outlive me? It's really going to come back to my children and my family. And what we maybe invest in this church. What what foundation are we laying on? Is it something that can be uh, uh, carried on? Or will it end with us? These are some things to ask. Is it it eternal? Is it going to go on? Eternal materials are what heaven values. Uh, Things of character, virtue, truth, mercy, righteousness. These kinds of things. They're rarely applauded here on earth, but uh, but God pays pe- special attention to those things. Colossians three one and two. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections to things above, not on the things of the earth. There was a story told of a uh, of a, of a man who just uh, loved gold, and he collected these gold bars, and he was he was a believer, but he was told you can't. Uh, you know, he had a dream one night. God told him uh, you can't take those with you. And he's like, oh, come on, Lord, let me, just, let me just take one suitcase full of these gold bars. You know, I just, I've worked so hard for them, and I love them. And, and he's like, okay, you can bring those gold bars. And so so uh, he dies, and he, and he gets to the pearly gate. It's always Peter that's there, right? And, uh, and he meets him there at the gate, and he says, oh, you can't bring anything from earth here into heaven. He goes, oh, it's okay, I made a special deal with God. He goes, I don't know. So he calls the supervisor, and comes over and checks it out. He's like, well, let me see what's in the, in the briefcase or in the suitcase. And I open it up, and he says, oh, you can let him in. It's just pavement. You know, uh, the things that we value here is just it's just so, you know, in light of eternity and in light of uh, of of what it's going to be like there and really in light of the honor and glory that uh, that we can have potential to give to God. It is amazing what we store up and the the things that we put our attention and our affections into here in this earth. But then there is a revealing of these works. Verse number 13, every man's work shall be made manifest. I mean, it's brought to light. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. By the way, the word is what sort it is. Not what size it is. What sort it is. What kind of work is it? What kind of, what kind of uh, uh, work are you bringing before the Lord? Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone? What sort is it? Manifest, we brought to light. And then the results... <clears throat> Of, uh, of the judgment. If any man's work shall abide, which he built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. And without spending time to get into that, that suffering and loss, you're going to miss the potential. You're going to miss what, uh, what, what, what's there for you. Uh, I do not believe whatsoever is talking about punishment. All right, uh, My sins, were, uh, Christ was punished for those sins. Right? What we're talking about is loss of reward, loss of opportunity, loss of potential that you had to bring honor and glory to God. Let me just say it this way, forever, for eternity. What am I bringing in for eternity? <clears throat> Paul said to Timothy, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid it for me, a crown of righteousness. And he goes on. And I want to be able to say with boldness and confidence that I finished the course. In 1877, a Baptist hymn writer from Massachusetts, uh, Charles Luther, heard, uh, heard a preacher talking and tell the story of a young man who, uh, <clears throat> who was about to die. He'd only been a Christian for about a month and said that he had so little time to serve the Lord. He said, I'm not afraid to die. Uh, Jesus saved me, saves me. But, uh, but, uh, but must I go in empty-handed? So it prompted this man to write this song as he pondered those words. Must I go empty-handed? Thus my Redeemer meet. Uh, not one day of service give him, lay no trophy at his feet. Must I go and empty-handed must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet him must I empty-handed go? O oh, the years in sin, wa- sinning wasted, could I but recall them now? I would give them to my Savior, to his will I gladly bow. O oh, ye saints, arouse, be earnest. Up and work while yet tis day ere the night of death or take thee, strive for souls while you still may, uh, while still you may, you know, and that's uh, that's a thought, you know by the way, we don't know how many days we have, we don't know what's left, we don't know by the way, I don't know if you' you're kind of seeing things playing out on the world scale. I, I kind of look at this and say, man if if the things that are described in revelation are to come to pass there's certain stepping stones that need to kind of happen you know i've always asked how in the world are they going to get one world together how in the world are they going to have a currency how in the world are they going to you know all these kinds of things and i'm looking at them i'm like are they laying these foundation are they setting things in motion it's just it's challenging me folks whether death or rapture our time's running short and we got to consider how we build we got to consider what we're building we got to consider how we're uh, cooperating in the building as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and so I'm looking forward to going through this series as we look at some aspects of uh, local church ministry as we serve together, as a family, as uh, as the Church of God, and uh, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you guys and, a, and really a challenge to all of us to uh, let's do more for the glory of God for the cause of Christ. Let's have our word of prayer, Father.